I am Emily Lyons. In 2011, without a high school degree and with no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. Since then, I've built several multi-million dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be utterly lifted and shifted by these people too. All inspiring people are inspired people, so get ready to be inspired. On today's episode, I am joined by Mika Hollander. Mika is the co-founder and president of Sustain, the leading brand of all-natural, vagina-friendly sexual wellness and period care products. She's also an author, an activist, and entrepreneur. Mika has constantly made marketplace history with a myriad of product innovations in the sexual wellness space that redefine the stigmatized narrative around female sexuality. She developed the leading national sexual wellness brand, and she galvanized a revolution across wellness, sexuality, and reproductive health, as chronicled by Forbes, Fast Company, and tons of other articles. Really hope you enjoy this interview. Today, I am joined by Mika Hollander. Welcome. Thank you. Tell me a bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I am the founder and president of a company called Sustain, which is the leading brand of all-natural, vagina-friendly sexual wellness and period care products. So such an interesting area to get into. Take me back to the beginning of this. How did all of this get started? Well, it got started how all sexual wellness companies do, which is, you know, with my dad. My dad and family have been in the natural products world for over 30 years. My dad started a company called Seventh Generation a very, very, very long time ago before people were really into natural products. So he's a little ahead of his time. So I grew up just totally immersed in the world of natural products and sort of like mission-driven businesses and in some ways just always assumed I would actually just go work for seventh generation. But as I got older and was in business school, I just, you know, really had this like sort of instinct and just like, maybe it wasn't an instinct, but really just sort of this interest in starting, you know, something of my own. Hmm. And I was just considering a few different things. But what really interested me, particularly in the condom category, which was actually like our first product, was that two things. One, obviously, from a natural products world, there was no sort of like natural option. Some of the stuff in a lot of the condoms on the market are not things you necessarily want going inside your body, like spermicides Mm -hmm. and, you know, different sorts of fragrances and even this carcinogen called nitrosamine, which is found in most condoms. So I thought that was interesting. But what actually got me even more excited about this idea was I learned that 40% of condoms are purchased by women. And I don't know the last time you've hung out in the family planning aisle at the drugstore. I spend a lot of time there. (laughs) And, you know, it's not an aisle that's very oriented towards women. I would actually go as far as to say that the category basically has ignored women as a customer group forever. Oh, 100%. And I thought that was really interesting. 
because, you know, on the one hand, women are almost buying half of the condoms that are being sold every day. And then on the other hand, the condom companies have ignored this customer group. Hmm. Isn't that funny? They, I guess because they still think of us as not supposed to be sexual beings. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think female sexuality, I mean, our mission has become to, you know, change the conversation around female sexuality and change it from something that's been forever, you know, shamed and stigmatized to something that's celebrated. And we're definitely making progress, but we're not there yet as a, as a country or as a society. Women are not supposed to be sexual. Women are definitely not supposed to be having casual sex, which is <laughs> what condoms are used for, although not enough. But so it's interesting. And, and a woman who carries a condom is usually considered to be a slut. And a guy who does the same is like celebrated as, you know, a hero. He's so yeah. responsible, so amazing. And so I thought that was really interesting and just a really big opportunity to one, you know, we kind of have this built-in customer group of women who are already buying condoms. And two, what really got me excited was we can use this idea of a condom company to have a much bigger conversation around Mm. female sexuality and reproductive health and sexual health and just like really try and tackle a lot of things through this one small little product. So when you were growing up, was this like an open conversation? Were you like a very open family? I mean, we were an open family. I wouldn't say we were like as open as like I've, you know, I've heard everything now, right? Like everybody tells me everything about their sexual health (laughs) and their vaginal, you know, bacterial vaginosis and like what it was like with their parents growing up. So I would say, you know, we were open in that we were really close in talking to our parents around you know, drugs and alcohol and relationships. And it it wasn't a fearful dynamic where you were scared to open up to your parents if you were struggling with something because you were going to get judged or you were going to get punished. So naturally, you know, we had a conversation about it, not like as a family around the dinner table, (laughs) (laughs) I talked to my parents about it. So it was open. It was definitely more open than most homes. I mean, most parents talk to their kids one time about sex. Hmm. So it was not like that. But we also weren't like, you know, there wasn't a jar of condoms like <laughs> on an island where my mom was like, grab one for the road. So somewhere in the middle. <laughs> so you went to your father and you're like, let's start a condom business together? <laughs> no, actually. So he... He had left seventh generation. I was in business school. He said, I, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. And I said, me too. And we started talking about different ideas he'd had over time. And one idea that he'd had was like 20 years prior, he wanted to start this company called Rainforest Rubbers, where all of the latex for the condoms was coming from the rainforest in South America. And I was like, that's where the idea came from. And I thought that was really interesting. And I said, dad, you know, I love you, but like rainforest rubbers is not going to get us very far. We need to make this a much bigger idea. I like the idea of like a sustainable supply chain and we'll definitely take that and run with that. Mm -hmm. But let's, you know, let's really think about this and, you know, change sort of the mission being more about women and, female sexuality, not like 
fair trade latex, even though our latex is fair trade and that's awesome. That was how I first found you actually, because I was, I was curious about it. I was just looking over, you know, different ways to be more sustainable. And I was thinking, I bet condoms must be really bad for the environment. I'm like, and so then I, I Googled it and that's when you came up and I was like, what a brilliant idea. Condoms are really interesting in that they're small and like we talk a lot about like what is a net positive business, like manufacturing a condom and, you know, our latex is the sap, like the sap of the rubber tree. There's no harm <laughs> done to the tree and it's a really small product to manufacture. And so there's not a ton of energy used and like the things that it can prevent are just so great, whether it's STIs and HIV mm-hmm. or pregnancy, which contributes to sort of like increasing global population and climate change. It's just pretty amazing. And so that was one piece of like what got me really excited about it as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to find a unique niche when you start a, a business. You're finding something that has never been done before, like what you did. Yeah, definitely. If you were going to start a business now, what do you think you would do? <laughs> That's like the million dollar question. <laughs> we, sold, we sold Sustain in August of last year to a company called Grove Collaborative. Mm-hmm. I'm still running the business and the brand, but you know, it's like- You get that tick. Think about like what what next. And I don't know. I mean, I think I, I definitely am really- you know, and have always been, but increasingly since building this business, like incredibly passionate about women's reproductive health and women's mm-hmm. reproductive rights and sex education now is something that I'm really focused on and sort of interested in. So I don't know, I don't know what I would do next, but it definitely will be in this space. I think there's so much more work to do and it's amazing what we've been able to accomplish just with Sustain, but it's just, you know, so much more to do. Did you find the conversations awkward with, you know, with your father being there because it is so open about the sexuality? No, I mean, you know, it's obviously like you're not the first person to ask me that question. question. You know, were there funny moments where we were talking about like, do we make an extra large condom or not? (laughs) Does the lubricant need to be slicker? Yeah. It's like kind of like, okay, this is funny. But, you know, there were funny moments. And then most of the time, it's just like business stuff, like financials and like supply chain and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not like we're talking about sex all the time. And my dad was really involved and really ran the business, you know, with me for the first few years. And then he transitioned out a few years ago. So I think, you know, as we got bigger and as we scaled and as we had more people doing content and advertising and things were like the sexuality part comes up more. He wasn't there, but there were, there were many funny moments, but it was not, it wasn't particularly awkward. And why did you decide to, to sell? Yeah. I mean, a bunch of reasons. We weren't looking to sell. We were going out to raise more money at the beginning of last summer. And one person that I was talking to just and reconnecting with was the CEO of Grove Collaborative, which is a, you know, 2 million customer plus sort of natural products retailer that also makes and sells its own brands. So it was really interesting because, you know, we were growing, but we were still pretty small. And 
you know, I don't want to get into like the details of advertising costs right now, but oh my gosh, basically yeah. over the last over the last three years, you know, the cost of growing your business direct a direct to consumer business online has really increased. And so we were growing, but the market was getting more competitive. And we were growing, but we were also this really radical, you know, brand around female sexuality. And so we were struggling, how do we get into the middle of the country, right? Like, we don't want only customers on the coast. And, you know, the market was getting more challenging. And so Stu, who's Grove's CEO and founder, said, you know, we would actually be interested in buying the business. We have this platform. We have all customers who are interested in natural products. Most of them are women. We know how to like market brands and sell them because we're a marketplace and we have, you know, our own brands, but we also sell brands like Seventh Generation. And I'd actually known him for a really long time. So we started having these conversations and I just, you know, running a business is really, really tough. And Mm -hmm. frankly, like I was pretty burnt out at that point as the market and the dynamics were getting more challenging. Obviously, I didn't have the insight into then what would happen this year with the market. But, (laughs) you know, it was like, this has gotten really hard and we've taken this really far. But like, how do we get to like a 20, 50, $100 million brand? And we, you know, we would either need a ton more money or a lot more luck. Like there was just, it was hard. And so Stu was interested and I spent, you know, all last summer sort of in San Francisco with the team at Grove and figuring out what this would look like. And I just feel so lucky that this was the opportunity that came our way because, you know, one, like Grove is not a really big company that's been around for a hundred years. That's really corporate. There's, you know, a thousand employees, which is not small, but it's not, you know, a hundred thousand and it's a new company and they're very focused on sustainability and it's really mission driven. So there was just such great alignment and I just saw such a great opportunity to really continue to grow the brand and the business, but have access to so many more customers. And it's been a really incredible integration and transition. The business is thriving. I'm less burnt out personally, which was, you know, burnout's a real thing. And like, I think I spent six years, you know, working 24 seven and not taking care of myself. And like, I don't know if that was the best choice, but it was what happened. So it's been a really great transition for a lot of different reasons. Have you as an entrepreneur been trying to build your own personal brand? Has that been a focus for you? You know, it really has not been a focus. I think it ended up just happening because there were no women out in the world when we started Sustain that were talking about this stuff, that were talking about condoms and lubricant and safe sex and reproductive Mm -hmm. health. Like there were the cosmopolitan magazines of the world and then there were the Planned Parenthoods and there Mm -hmm. was, you know, both of which are great, but it's really different to have, I mean, when I started Sustain, I was 26 years old and I was out there and, and listen, it wasn't easy. I got a lot of, a lot of hate. Yeah. I can imagine that. But I was out there sort of telling my story and promoting something and opening up a conversation that no one had really done before. Definitely not from a business perspective. And so through you know, part of what made Sustain so successful was having a real person who was willing to 
have these conversations and really be relatable for our customers. How did you deal with that pressure that you would have gotten from the public? Because I can imagine, you know, myself putting myself out there with with certain things. There are so many, especially men, that don't want to hear about it. You know, they don't want to see periods, anything to do with that, you know, or women being sex positive. Yeah. Periods and then condoms is a whole other thing. You know, we when we started in 2014, I mean, it's kind of hard to imagine now because I I can't tell you how much things changed with the election in 2016. But for the first couple years, it was really hard. I mean, I cried a lot, but I tried to fuel sort of myself with that negativity around just proving like, okay, that's why we're doing this. We're doing this because this is still happening. We're doing this because I'm getting slut shamed and it's happened now a couple times, but like, by the way, it happens to women every single day, multiple times a day. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much bigger than me. And so it was really hard for the first few years, but it was also really empowering. And once the election happened and all of a sudden women came together and sort of said, you know, Time's up and me too. And like, fuck this. Like, Mm. things really changed. I went from being a little bit of this, like, ooh, like this girl who's starting this condom company. Like, it's so awkward, but like, (laughs) interesting, but it's awkward. And like, we're going to kind of laugh about it to like being really celebrated. And like, this is so important. And what she's doing is so important. And it's never been more critical. And da 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 da. It was the biggest shift that I never expected, but it, turned the conversation around me and the business and the brand and what we were trying to do in such a dramatic way. And that's really when the business actually took off coming out. Interesting. Yeah. Because it all is such an important thing to do. And yeah, you were very much a leader in that space. And we were doing it, you know, we'd been doing it for years so it wasn't, I think, you know, what we saw coming out of the election and out of all of this amazing sort of groundswell of women sort of like finding their voice and standing up was a lot of sort of like hashtag feminism branding and a lot of brands sort of being like, okay, this is the thing now. So like we mm. need to attach ourselves to it mm-hmm. and whatever, but it's not authentic. Mm. And for us, it was like, no, we're, you know, we've been doing this. We've been saying this for years. And so we were really embraced and it was a really amazing time. I mean, terrible time, but an amazing time, depending <laughs> on who you're talking to. <laughs> and you wrote a book, Get on Top. Yes. What was that about? So Get on Top was, you know, kind of a culmination of spending years just talking to our customers through customer service, at events, just, I kept sort of like listening and hearing similar things come up. Like obviously there's like the random outlier question that's super out there that I have no idea how to answer. And like, I'm not a medical professional, so go ask your doctor. But there were a lot of more sort of like what I call like sex ed almost 101 or sort of like women's Mm -hmm. health 101 that kept coming up. How does birth control work? Why, what is, you know, what is this? cycle like for my period like what does each phase mean what you know what if my blood is this color versus that color how do I put on a condom like questions that you would think okay yeah most people understand but like most people have the same questions which I found really interesting and a lot of these questions are you know easy to answer 
And so I sort of just felt like, you know, one of Sustain's like missions has always been to be an educator and what better way to do that than to just put forward a really sex positive resource that answered a lot of these questions. And so it's all based around, does it go about your story as well? As an entrepreneur? Not as much. You know, I think I didn't feel at the time, because this was a couple years ago, it's always like, when are you going to sort of tell your story? And I tell my story in different interviews, obviously, and like through my social media over time. But I feel like, you know, and even still, it's like, I want to wait to tell my story because <laughs> I, I think it'll keep getting more interesting potentially. So it's less about me and it's more of just a resource. And I had read one of the interviews that you had done. I think it was with Forbes and you were talking about a lot of, you know, the different things that you had gone through and about some of the nasty things that people had said online. And I was thinking, what would that have been like for your father to see? Because I know, you know, as a family member, I get so protective. And if I saw that hate going on to a family member online, oh my gosh, can you imagine what I'd do? That's so interesting. Yeah, I mean... I guess, you know, for them, maybe they can separate it more than we can. Well, I think that was part of it, right? He's been around the block. He's been doing the the thing for decades. But, you know, he definitely saw a huge difference in that, like, when he was building seventh generation, it wasn't like immediate response to what you're doing or saying there was no social media. I mean, there wasn't even the internet for a lot of that time. So it was just totally different. But he said to me many times, like, if you want to do this, you're going to have to be brave. And he would always tell me you're so brave as we went through it. And I didn't really understand what that meant for a while, but obviously it makes sense now. So he wasn't rattled by it. He's also just like a very calm person. And he's been through so much and he's been through so much. So he was just sort of like a rock. Wow. Was there times when you wanted to just give up? Not because of that. No. And, and I never actually wanted to give up. There mm-hmm. were times where I was like, I might have to give up because <laughs> I don't know if this is going to work. But no, I never felt like giving up. I just kept going. I mean, there were definitely multiple times where I was like, this is, this is not going to work. But somehow it did. How do you find a niche? You know, say somebody wants to start a business, what would you tell them? Well, I think it's, you know, it's about finding sort of like the white space in the market, but it's also about doing something for me, at least like I couldn't have gotten through and, you know, been really passionate about my idea and felt like I'm going to figure out a way to make this work every single time that I needed to. If I didn't think that what we were doing was going to so greatly positively impact the world, like that was such a driver for me in that, like, For me, it's almost less about the white space and the niche, although that's definitely important if you're like creating a product or a business. And it was just like, what's the thing that like I think is going to have the most positive impact on the world? And what's the thing that's going to get me out of bed every morning? So I'm a little bit biased because like mission and impact drive me in really crazy ways. But I think in terms of finding a niche, I mean, you have to listen, you have to sort of see what customers 
want and need and don't have or don't have access to. And I think there's a lot you can learn from like customers and potential consumers. Just sort of hearing feedback. I always have those ideas popping into my head whenever I'm doing things. Yeah. Like business ideas. It's like, this would be so much easier if this existed or that existed. I think that's just kind of how our brains work. Yeah. Naturally always looking for it. Like what would you attribute to the success of Sustain? Do you think it was really the, the, the story that you were putting out there or the product or how you were selling it? I think there's three things. One was product differentiation. We created with the condom something that never existed on the market. And I think the key difference was a lot of women don't have a latex allergy are very irritated by a lot of the condom brands out there for different reasons. There's fragrances, there's firmicide. There's one thing that most people don't know is like what causes a latex allergy is the protein level in the latex and your So our condoms have 70% plus lower protein levels. Wow. And so, you know, we had a product where I can't, you know, I, I don't know the number of times of thousands where women will come up to us or write to us and say, like, these change sex for me. Like, mm-hmm. I could not use condoms and I can now. So you need something like that, right? You need a hero product that people love and there's a real health benefit for them and something they'll continue to buy. So mm-hmm. that's one. Two, you know, it's our brand. I mean, we spent a lot of energy in building a incredibly radical, transparent, authentic, sex-positive brand. And that was not something that existed before, especially in these categories. So we had our consumer, you know, attached to the product, as I said, because they loved it. And it actually delivered benefits that nothing else on the market did. But two, like, we had people who didn't buy our products who just followed us and engaged with us and wanted to be part of our community because they felt like we had their backs. And the thing that we kept hearing all the time was like, thank you. Like you're fighting on my behalf. There was a lot that we did outside of selling products, a lot of activism we did that our community felt like we were fighting for them Hmm. and we were doing right by them. And we were trying to make the world a better place every single day. So those two things. And then the third thing is really, I, I know like a lot of founders will say it's grit, it's not luck, but like it's grit. Like I worked and the team worked really, really, really hard and ha- went through a lot of really insanely challenging moments that we came through on the other side of. But I do believe in luck too. Like there were moments where I was like, I don't know, you know, we don't know where we're going to get more money from. We need more money. Like we're getting really close and then something would come through and something mm. would happen. So I do believe in luck and we had a lot of good luck and we had a lot of bad luck. <laughs> but I think those three things really were what made us. Fantastic. So where can people find more information about you? You can go to at Miss Meeks on Instagram or Twitter. You can go to trysustain.com to learn more about my story and our brand and products and all the awesome stuff we're doing. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. 